Welcome to Two Vets Chewing the Fat. Two Vets acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on. Animal health has become overcomplicated. We want to help you navigate through the reams of misinformation and empower you to take charge of your animal's health to live happier, healthier and longer lives. Join Dr Ash and Dr Sina getting together and sharing decades of experience as veterinarians, answering your questions, debunking myths and unveiling the secret world of vet. All the while having a laugh, chewing the fat. And don't forget to always seek the advice of your pet's veterinarian as advice given here is of a general nature and does not replace a physical examination. Hi and welcome to podcast number five. Obviously, I'm Dr. Ash and I've got Dr. Sina here with me today. Hello. And we are diving into a deep dive into insurance, pet insurance, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and a little bit of the myths and um, also some of the sticking points with people and also some really great stories and our experiences um, we should be really upfront that we're not going to give any specific advice. We don't work for any of the companies. We do not get any kickbacks. This is merely our experience over decades of seeing um, our clients with pet insurance and our own experience as well. So it's of a general nature. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, pet insurance is something that we're seeing more and more of, which is great because expenses have gone up which we've discussed previously about why that's why the um, veterinary care is expensive and I think over the time we have a few different options of to so what's the best way to be able to pay for for veterinary care as you go along mm. and the main options I guess that we've found is you can have pet insurance which certainly helps out uh, you can have an emergency fund or pop money aside every every month on a regular basis or you don't do anything. Um, yeah. And I think as I say to clients when I'm discussing this, it doesn't matter what your decision is, but it needs to be at the beginning of the journey, you either need to decide that yes, insurance is for me or no, this is my plan of attack, I'm going to sock some away or no, I'm in a financial position where I'm lucky enough that I can roll with the punches and that's what I'm going to do. But if someone were to ask me my opinion, and I'll ask for yours in a sec too, scenes, but, you know, my opinion is that if you're going to struggle to afford the insurance, which could be anywhere between $30 a month to, you know, $150 per month, I feel I've got concern that you're going to be able to struggle to afford the care for the pet. So yeah. just to keep to keep that in mind. Um, and that I don't feel that these days that $100 a month socked away gets you far. What do you think, Sans? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, we're probably a little bit different. You, you and I have both had quite different stories with, with insurance for our pets, and that's why I think this is really important to be able to unravel it a little bit. We have a, a slush fund, I guess, for, for our pets, so if anything major did come up, I know I've got some money, you know, popped aside for them as well. I'm still considering what I do. I did have insurance for Ali, but I stopped it after a while. Um, yeah, but we'll get into that in more detail. Yeah, excellent. And you've got some facts for me about insurance companies in Australia? 
Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the, the facts and, and the stuff that we know is a lot of insurance companies, even though they've got different names, are underwritten by the same company. So it'll be the same head insurance company and that they all have slightly different plans or, um, you know, amounts you can claim and so forth, which we'll go into more detail later on. It's really important to read the terms and condition and understand that PDS. So understand what you're covered for that that's probably the most important thing have it outlined for you have a list make sure you're really clear on that yeah, yeah um, they're not necessarily trying to be obtuse or anything like that it's just that they're just like every other company they're marketing specific products for specific people couples elderly etc and and so yeah going through the pds and making sure it's right for you yeah, yeah. Um, you have to get in early, really. You want to make sure that your pet doesn't have any pre-existing conditions. There is a little bit of leeway there if you get a rescue dog or, you know, all your circumstances change. But mm -hmm. definitely the earlier you get in while your pet is young and healthy, the cheaper it will be. And, the you know, you it's just going to be a lot easier on your claiming as well. Yeah. Better return on investment for sure. For sure. Uh, some of the bad stuff. So some of the stuff that we hear back from people is that, you know, I pay so much money all the time and I get nothing back. Uh, that comes to going into that policy with your eyes wide open. They're not all created equally. So it is important to know the facts and the policy that you sign up for. Yeah, and definitely do your research. 100%, 100%. Um, it's, oh, yep. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very passionate about this, people. It's hard to shut me up on this topic. So, Paul, get a word in. But essentially, you know, I think that I hear a lot of stories, which is uh, nothing gets paid for, et cetera, but they've only signed up after they've had a lot of bills and then the, the penny drops that, oh, yeah, maybe I should get insurance. And so they, they sign up and the insurance company will, of course, um, accept them. And they do have a thing in the T's and C's, pre-existing conditions won't be covered. A vet history will be provided to the insurance company. And if you don't provide a full history, they're not going to pay out. Um, and so that's how they determine that it's pre-existing. It'd be sort of like, you know, having a car crash, if we're looking at this unemotionally, getting a car, having a car crash and then signing up for insurance and then expecting the insurance company to cover that. They're just not. This is a numbers black and white game um, and so it's the choice of the timing is very important. Yeah, and I guess insurance is the one thing that, you know, like our home insurance and car insurance, we don't want to use it. Like I don't want my house to, house to be broken into or burnt down or <laughs> I don't want to have a car crash. But if something happens, I want to know that I'm going to be in a position that I can look after my pets. Yeah, that peace of mind. 100%, yeah, yeah. So pet insurance isn't cheap. Um, it's very dependent on, you know, the the species, the breed that you've got. And um, But the one thing that we do know is out of any kind of insurance, it is probably the one that the most claims are made out of made from so there's a lot of pet insurance claims get made and is very helpful for a lot of people well 
from my own personal experience, I've got two pets on pet insurance. Um, for reasons of my own, I decided not to insure my uh, indoor cat. I, I've decided there that I was going to roll the dice. But with the dogs that are out and about, up to more mischief, I'll sign them up. But, um, you know, it's you, you hope that you never have to use it, but you may. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a couple of stories. So I think maybe we'll talk about your stories and then mine uh, with your pets. So I guess let's talk about, because you've had a recent one with Ava. Yes, I have. Yes. Um, I think we touched on that briefly a little bit on the last podcast, but she was a healthy geriatric um, whippet dog and she just uh, had some slow onset of some diarrhea, nausea, then she pretty much stopped eating and she fell off a, a medical cliff and it took a huge amount of care. She was essentially on an IV drip at our clinic, at my home, um, and then for the last little bit at the emergency centre, but she was on a drip for about two and a half weeks. She would have had three ultrasounds. She had numerous blood tests. She had CT, gastroscopy, um, culture of her bile. Um, and in the end, we got the diagnosis and that information, you know, saved her life. Um, Monty, who's no longer with me, my other whippet, dear little fella, but at age three, he had an obstructed ureter that blew up his kidney to the size of a football and could have taken his other kidney into kidney failure um, that was just detected by an abdominal palpation, then an ultrasound, and then he had removal of that in at the specialist, and that was um, around five grand, and that was very unexpected. And yeah. I had great experiences both times with them paying out. So, so with your recent one with Ava, Ash, if you didn't have insurance, what would that have cost you? Uh, that would have cost me... Money out of the pocket, ten thousand, but that excludes my home care and after hours. So I would think probably fifteen to eighteen grand. Yeah, I and with your insurance. So how did that end up? Did you have some out of pocket associated with that? I did, but not much. I got eighty percent back. Okay. Yeah. So, so I that... got about eight grand back, which was exceptional. Yeah, so I would say that that then made your decisions on her care non-financial. It was all about what is the best thing for her. Is that correct? Yes, huge weight off the shoulders. You know, just like everyone else, I've got a mortgage, I've got bills to pay and, um, you know, unexpected costs can hurt, especially of that nature. And when you're already so worried about their um, outcomes, and yep. to, I actually had reflected afterwards. I wonder if I wasn't in that position, how far you would go. Because there was a point that, as you know, with our discussion on Ava, is she going to get better? And yep. definitely in the end, there was a the last little bit of information that changed everything. But that information came from uh, gastroscopy and CT after already, you know, many, many um, bills and it was what got us the change we needed. Yeah, it's it's 
that ability to make a decision based on the facts and what you're seeing in the diagnostics. And we're fortunate that we're in the industry, so we have an understanding and we had some long discussions about do we go ahead with a CT scan, do we not, all that mm. kind of thing. So we still make those decisions amongst ourselves. But to be able to do that based purely on the care mm. and the treatment and the diagnostics that you need and to put that financial stress aside makes a makes a huge difference. Yeah, sure does. And what's your yeah. experience been since? So when I got Ali as a pup, I got insurance for her. And so she's now 14 and I've never made a claim. <laughs> you were you were like the unicorn of <laughs> that doesn't exist, you know. Unbelievable! What a lucky yeah. owner you are. I know. I'm, I'm really lucky. She is a sturdy old thing. Um, she's had a few little bits and pieces here and there, but again, I'm fortunate in, in the position that when it comes to those sort of little bits and bobs, I can, you know, I'm able to do a lot of stuff at my own time and and um, using my own services and skills. So that does help me. I think if I wasn't a vet, there definitely would be some claims, but not definitely to the extent that you had with your, with your lemons. I know. Um, lemons love me. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have definitely had some, had some claims probably wouldn't have covered the cost of that I've paid out with for insurance. But for me, it was peace of mind. If I am away on holiday, someone else is looking after her. If they're, you know, my kids take her out and, you know, she gets loose or a dog has a go at her and attacks her, then I want to know that they can pick her up and take her wherever, whenever, and it's not going to be an issue and she's going to be looked after. So it was definitely the peace of mind for yeah. me in having that cover. Um, and and that is the biggest thing, and that's insurance. Mm. Something happens, I know I'm going to be okay. And we see that with our clients as well, don't we? I know that um, we've both got some good stories, but little uh, one comes to mind because I just saw Rissol in at the clinic recently, actually. Yeah. Gorgeous little pug that had a um, a pretty good start to life and um, then juvenile developed a portosystemic shunt um, of the liver, which, as we know, can be quite, um, you know, deathly, slow death as the toxins build up, et cetera. Oh. I guess for, for people listening, so a portosystemic shunt is essentially it's a congenital problem where the blood vessels in the liver, um, so from the gastrointestinal tract, so you bypass some of the liver function. So you get a smaller liver and it's not able to detoxify a lot of lot of the um and do the normal function that it would. Yes. And so it is quite a slow decline, but it is leading inevitably, to death and liver failure. Um, and so she had insurance and they covered all of the workup, the blood work, CT, surgery, medications, and now Rissol's living a fabulous life, completely normal. Yeah, and that's a condition that actually, so it's not like 
you diagnose it, you treat it, it's done. That's something that you need a long-term treatment before we're able to have surgery. So that's months of, yes. of treatment that's been covered by insurance. And she's 100% happy, playful and, you know, loving life. Which is good to say. You've got one, Sam's a story? Yes. So little Freddie was a Labrador pup who had a chewing on a toy, uh, stopped eating, started to vomit and started to become, you know, pretty uncomfortable. Uh, we took some x-rays and sure enough had a swallowed that toy, which was blocking the intestines and needed emergency surgery to, to remove it. And that's not an uncommon scenario in in quite a few dogs that are very food and toy motivated. Um, We've had repeat offenders, haven't we? The same dog coming in several times. Yeah, absolutely. So that emergency surgery that's needed. So to be able to do that and to at a cost within our clinic would probably be up to about $3,000 just for the everything. To do that and then have 80% of it paid by insurance, you, you know, that's a massive, massive help. Mm, sure is. And look, commonly we hear in the consult room all the time, don't we? Oh, I wish I had got that pet insurance that you recommended or, you know, um, you know, thank goodness I had that pet insurance that you recommended. And for those yeah. that didn't, can I get it now? Yeah, and unfortunately, that's the thing. Like, if once you've got a condition, consider it for other conditions that may come along. Absolutely, but you might find that that's going to have an impact on your the your coverage and your premium. Well, I suppose that takes us. Uh, we should talk about a bit of a breakdown in the plans. Um, yep. A little bit of a brief rundown about uh, costs and so on, and what to expect. Yeah, so there's a few things um, because I think you've had a lot more experience claiming for insurance. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna jot these to you. So I guess the firstly thing is what is the monthly cost? Yes, um, yeah, I do consider myself almost an unofficial, you know, expert in the area. I <laughs> she uh, mostly bad luck, but look, the all's well that ends well. Monthly costs um, can start as low as you know twenty to thirty dollars or range up all the way to 150 and a lot of that's going to be dependent on um, your species and breed. We talked about Frenchies, of course, they're going to be on the upper end. Indoor cats are most likely going to be on the lower end and then, of course, there's different costs depending on um, the company and and the products that they're offering. Um, You know, are you going comprehensive? versus um, emergency versus preventative so comprehensive think of that as your um, it would cover the little rissoles medical stuff it'd cover the labradors emergency surgery as well consults ear infections you know the whole gamut bar preventatives emergencies you know you get hit by a car um, you know your bigger stuff I personally not a huge fan of that, but I guess it depends on your circumstances. But in my experience, I see people in regularly for lots of little things that add up to a large cumulative amount that break is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Thankfully, yeah, we don't a lot of, too much other stuff. Yeah, a lot of that medical stuff, you know, particularly if you do start to get skin issues or, you know, you've got some orthopedic, you know, some x-rays for osteoarthritis or mm-hmm. um you know, eye, eye problems and so forth that are managed 
medical things that can add up over time so you know if you can comprehensive for me would be the better way to go because a lot of people think that if they've just got emergency cover they've got cover but it is truly for those okay bang big expense one-off yeah thing that sort of just throw up at you yeah we don't see that as much anymore do we yeah yeah the other thing is I guess you know do you you know, are you having a cover where you get a percentage of your fee payback or do you have an excess? Mm. And what is the size of that excess? And that will have an impact on your premiums too. Yeah, and I would say um, you don't want a big excess. That would be my advice there. Again, based on the fact that we're more likely to see you regularly for little things rather than a big thing. I personally think an excess below 200 is right. Um, but for others, they might say, okay, well, that's too costly for me. I'm going to do 500 and my premium will go down a little bit. Um, and, you know, you can put it, a lot of them have calculators where you can adjust the percentage back where you say, okay, well, I want 100% back and I want a $500 limit and it'll tell you how much it's going to cost you. And you have a play with all of those and then you'll come to a number that you know in your budget that you can pay monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another couple of things to look at are the limits. So there's your annual limit. So what's your annual limit? Ash, what does that mean? Well, your annual limit is the amount that the company will pay out in total across all claims for that pet in that calendar year. And so mine with Ava is quite low. It's only 8000 which, as we know from the discussions that we've had, doesn't get you very far. Um, but I signed up for that 12 years ago. And so yep. 8000 back then, that was pretty standard. Most of them these days come with at least ten to 15000 uh, some up to twenty. I personally wouldn't sign on for less than $15,000. Um, yep. And then, yeah, there's other things as well. Yeah, and then there's a thing called a sublimit. So Mm -hmm. just go into that a little bit more deeply because I think this is something that you have had some discussions with some of the insurance companies about. In fact, with Frankie the puppy, I actually I read the fine print, or I thought I did, and I must have missed something because then when I got through the insurance package, there was a little note about the sublimits. And so you do have to be careful on that. And so in the end, They've often got a 30-day, you know, change your mind thing. So I did change my mind. I cancelled that one and I went with another one that didn't have a sublimit. So a sublimit is a limit within the policy on a condition. So even though you might have an $8,000 annual limit, if some, for example, tick um, paralysis or a cruciate limit rupture, well, they might say, well, if you have that, you've got a sublimit of $2,000. So even though you've got up to 8000 and you may not have spent that 8000 they say well on this particular thing you get less and that's because it you know happens more commonly or they've got extensive costs for extensive periods and they're trying to balance out their costs so they can offer the consumer a lower monthly rate um and for some it's people it's all a balancing it is yeah, a balance, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um, so look closely <laughs> Definitely, because I know that made you have a look at which company you decided to go with with Frankie. So uh, breed exclusions. Ooh. <laughs> and again, a little bit of it is you pay for what you get. If you're paying less, the, the likelihood is you're going to get lower coverage. Um, so your Frenchies, 
are going to come in at uh, at a higher rate and some of them won't even cover them because they're just so costly that they can't mm. offer a product to everyone that's worth the while. So you might get they won't cover respiratory issues or brachycephalic conditions for the um, uh, for those breeds, and you have to pay for that out of your own pocket. Yeah, yeah, and you know your your Cavalier King Charles with heart conditions. Um, you know there's just certain things in some breeds that they're more predisposed to. So just make sure you have a look. And if you've got a Dachshund are you going to be covered for spinal issues or yes. you know disc disease all those things so you need to have a look now some have breed exclusions some don't again go into that individual policy or if you're not sure ring them up and have a chat to them and say hey this is what i'm thinking of doing let me know everything i need to know about yeah. this cover for this particular type of dog and like in a lot of things in life, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If one company is offering for a sausage dog for 20 bucks a week and all the others are around 60, I'd say the one at the lower price is missing some coverage there somewhere. For sure, for sure. Now, this is one that we hear about a bit is dental coverage. Mm, yes. Mm. <laughs> yes how much time do we have <laughs> we'll just be quick um oh. dental coverage um a lot of them don't cover it but some do for an extra cost and yeah. i can see both sides of the coin here i see the insurance company's side because a lot of dental work is preventative which we talked about in our how to reduce your costs if you're not going to do the extra steps to try to control as many factors as you can, then yes, there's going to be a bill and it doesn't seem fair that with that lack of work that the insurance company gets all of it. But the other side of the coin is that some people, they do control everything that they can and they still run into issues. Um, like me with Ava, she still had a couple of scale and polishes. Um, my sister's Jack Russell had a broken tooth from a bone. You know, these things happen. And so if you want dental coverage, you can either put aside a little extra yourself or you can go with the company where you pay more and they will pay out on the dental. Yeah, yeah, it is It is a controversial one, but it is, you know, they do consider it preventative. Mm. Um, and in, in that regard, it will be more expensive to cover it for the companies that do cover it. So, again, look into that and know what's going on. Mm. Uh, policy price increases. Now, I know, I think it was at your sister, Ash, who had a look at her policy increase for her little Jack Russell and it jumped up significantly one year. It did, yeah. And it pretty much, when he hit senior, so for them, every company regards that as different, but that was eight years of age. Um, it went from $45 to $85 a month. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? It's a massive increase. But she did start uh -huh. low at around the 25 and then went significantly up. And I think it ended up at about 150. Mm. And that was me with Monty and Ava as well. Yeah. Um, and that suited me at the time. And so check which suits your budget and your life stage. But I'd just gotten a mortgage. I didn't have much money. So at that stage, I wanted the lesson. I was aware that it was going to cost me more later. Now with Frankie, yeah. I've gone for one that's more of a steady one that just goes up with, um, you know, increased costs and inflation and things like that. So I'm not going to get those same surprises, but at the same time I'm paying more from the outset. So about yeah. $6 a month for Frankie. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So, yeah, so there's different things to look at there. So what, where are you at and what to do, particularly when there's lifestyle lifestyle changes or life stage changes, they're going to make dogs more likely to be claiming um, insurance as well. Yeah. Next thing is the old gap payments. Yeah, these are a relatively new thing um, in the last couple of years and our clinic software integrates uh, for gap payments and a lot of clinics do. Um, and there's a lot of insurance companies that um, have portals that do it all automatically in the back end of the clinics. And so they're the companies you'd be going with. It saves time, uh, money, effort and you get a speed of your money as well, which can be very important for some people. Yeah, and I guess that the only thing is, so some of them are automatic, so some will get pre, um, uh, will will get pre approval for for the procedures that get done, and it happens automatically. Then there are other ones where it looks like a gap payment's going on, but you need to send the history, the invoice, and everything off to the insurance company. It is actually real time looked at by somebody, so it's not like high caps. They actually go through it and then they put the approval on through. So there's the two different types. Yes, yes. Because you need a complete history, I think for the ones that are more manual, they're good for the bigger things that need to be done in hospital because you can have that done prior to. Maybe not so good for your consultation time because it's not immediate. You can't be in and out the door within that time. So sometimes you find that you've still got to do another um, claim separately after you've paid the invoice. You do, but the ones that have... The um, the software and the tech for it, it's still not done by yourself at least. It's all initiated in um, by the clinic. And so as a client, you don't have that stress of, you know, oh, what's that condition again, honey? You know, what are we... What are we claiming for? What's the yeah. working? How much have you paid? You know, where's the invoice? None of that stress. Hmm. Bringing it back into the clinic, get the vet to sign it, all that backwards and forwards thing that can take up time, um, which reduces the speed of getting your, you know, your, your claim back. And, the uh, and that's like, yeah, that, exactly the money. <laughs> then it comes down to the, you know, the final thing, and that's kind of all covered in those things, is the ease of claiming. So you want to make it easy. You don't want a company that's going to have you um, jumping over hurdles, mm-hmm. you know. Because that's the thing you're going to be doing a lot. So you want to make sure it's a smooth process and that you're happy with it. Or you might have more time on your hands and you might decide, nah, I want to do that myself. But often in in my research, I haven't seen a cost difference between those um, companies that offer that versus the ones that don't. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's a a deal breaker. Absolutely. So... I think that gives a pretty good summary on insurance. I think we've heard some stories. We've heard the things that you need to look at, particularly when you're looking at your plan uh, and working out what you're covered for, what you're not covered for. And so you fully understand what everything means as well. So if you've got any other questions or comments that you want to make about it, you know, after you've subscribed to our podcast, um, just add some comments. Sounds good, guys. Well, uh, See you later. I think we've uh, chewed your ear off there and we'll be back for chewing the fat soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye. If you'd like to get to know us more, 
have any feedback, questions or any topics you'd like us to shoot the shit on, drop us a line. And if you've enjoyed listening, we'd appreciate you leave us a five-star review. Check out our socials and websites, drashlong.com.au and drcenacap.com.au. The website for Two Vets is coming soon, so keep an eye out. For all our Melbourneites, we'd love to see you at the Thornbury Veterinary Hospital and the Happy Dog Hub for all your veterinary grooming and wellness needs. See you later. Ciao.